0: Well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks. Today, we are going to be talking about brain health. And actually, there's a brain health challenge that you will want to tune into. But we're going to be talking about reducing risk and just improving brain health overall. But before I introduce you to our guest, I always encourage people to go to our website, which is Alzheimer'sSpeaks.com. There you can access all of our free. Educational resources that we've curated since 2009. So there's yads of stuff there, guys. You can also tap into our book, Betty the Bald Chicken Lessons in How to Care. And um, I'd also recommend that you go to dementiamap.com. We have over 150 different categories you can search. There's a calendar of events, a glossary of terms because you don't know what you don't know, uh, and some wonderful blog articles. And if you are a business or an advocate, or um, maybe you are living with dementia or a family member who has some type of support, uh, service product or tool that can help others, please sign up uh, to be a member. Uh, You can also get a tour from me directly. Uh, Just go to DementiaMap.com. It's you know, it's free to use and it's free to be listed, though there are a couple of paid plans as well if you want a little more access. But enough of that, let's go ahead and introduce you to our guest today. So Heather, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I know this is going to be an uplifting show and we all need that, especially the first of the year, Get our <laughs> adrenaline going and um, our minds and hearts and bodies set in the right direction. So I'm going to have you go ahead and introduce yourself first, because you can do a much better job than I can.
1: That is very sweet. So my name is Heather Alwell, and I'm the founder of Brain Health Mentors. And what was the you know, motivation and inspiration behind this is, um, sadly, my Nana passed away from dementia. And back then, we didn't know that there was anything that we could do to stop or, or slow down dementia. Right. We just thought it was something that just automatically happened to us. And, you know, I was my my background is I've been a speech language pathologist for over 24 years, and I'm a certified health and wellness coach. And when I was in graduate school all those years ago, we didn't know about neurogenesis. That research was being done, but it hadn't yet made it into the textbooks, right? We didn't know that we create could create new brain cells and we could do things to help our brain health. And so The creation of my program is a result of the information I wish, wish, wish I would have had all those years ago for my Nana. These are things that I wish I could have shared with her that unfortunately I just, the research hadn't yet been done, right? But now we live in a very exciting time where all this research is taking place and we are so fortunate to live in this time where we are learning that there are things that we can do um, to help our brain health trajectory.
0: Wonderful. So now you mentioned that your grandma had uh, dementia. How long ago was that? And how long did she live with? And
1: and you know, I have a little picture to show you I thought I would share. Um, This is my sweet Nana, right there on the end. And there's my mom. And just to share a little bit more, um, my nana had no family history of dementia. So I think a lot of times people think, well, I no one in my family has dementia, so I'm good. Well, that's not necessarily true. My nana didn't have a family history of dementia either. Um, the story of my nana is this. She had this beautiful, incredible life, right? She had three children she loved very much. She had close relationships with her grandchildren. She and my grandfather traveled all over the world. She had wonderful friend groups as well as my grandfather. And the last two years of my grandfather's life, my Nana was his caregiver. And when she was his caregiver, she, she slowly severed some of those ties that she had to the community. She was volunteering every week. She stopped doing that. They stopped going to church each week. She stopped getting together with friends. Um, all these connections she had with her community, she, she stopped participating in that. And then sadly, when my grandfather passed away... She was so grief stricken that she she didn't go back to being in a faith based community like church. Um, She didn't go back to volunteering. And sadly, when she went to get together with friends, half of her friends had moved away and half of her friends had passed away. So that was just a really hard time for her. And so we know, you know, life has many recalibrations, right? I have a senior in high school right now. So I'm about to go through a recalibration, right? From our, you know, years in school to college to getting out of school very early on in our careers. If we have children, if we retire, if sadly, if we lose a spouse or we go through a divorce, like our life is full of so many recalibrations. And what's important is that we continue connecting to community groups throughout these recalibrations. Because unfortunately, if we don't, you're going to find yourself in a situation like my Nana, which was she lacked those social groups to connect with after my grandfather passed away. So um, my Nana, we noticed it was actually the wedding that I showed you a picture of was the last time um, we, we really were able to be together as a family at a, at a big event. And it was shortly thereafter um, that we realized she was going to need support. And as we know, sometimes when we move someone with dementia, um, that's where we see a big downturn. And um, sadly, she, we we moved her. She she was living on her own and no one lived close by. So we moved her to a, a facility close to my uncle. And it was right after that she deteriorated fairly quickly. So she, she lived for about another, um, I'm going to say... Five years um, after that, so she was very well cared for. Um, her her life, you know, we we had a caregiver with her that it it, it brought her a lot of joy. She did a lot of fun things. Um, I mean, it was cute. Like um, I, I felt like she was in very good care, and I think that's important for all of us for our loved ones. We want them to feel safe and loved, and she felt that way. Um, but yes, it's sad to watch that progression with someone and what also is sad to add on top of that is the legacy of fear right that we have when we have a loved one that's gone through that so with my mother and myself you know for years we've been talking about when i'm in the nursing home when i when i experience dementia right that's been our our dialogue and that's a really unhealthy dialogue to to talk that way right but we again the research hadn't been done, and um, you know anyone that is a, a nurse or a doctor, speech language pathologist like myself, you know we ha- have to do all this continuing education. And quite frankly, it's something a lot of us kind of complain about. Oh no, got to do, got to quick get my thirty hours in. You know it's coming to the end of the year, and um, that was actually the inspiration behind me creating this program. As I was doing all this continuing education, and I saw this huge shift. Because when my Nana was going through dementia, we worked on things like memory books, which are wonderful. It's a wonderful way for them to connect and interact with other people. Right. That they can hold on to those language skills longer. But there was nothing really out there in terms of what we could do to slow the progression of the disease and also to improve, you know, language skills and and overall wellness. And there's so much research taking place right now that there are all these things that we can do, even if we have the diagnosis of dementia or, you know, everyone in general. These are things that we all should be doing throughout our life.
0: My mom lived with dementia for 30 years and wow. I, it, people always ask me, you know, what do you think contributed to her living that long with it? And I, I you know, I'm not a medical professional. I am not degreed in any of these areas, but I always say it was the social connection for her. I, I really, I, I totally, totally believe that was the number one thing. She felt purposeful. She felt like she belonged and she, you know, she was happy Uh, And then you also mentioned about the fear, you know, you guys were talking about it trying to be normal about okay, let's plan and you know what's this going to be like. And that that's one of the things that have has driven me nuts is kind of our fear based marketing that's been out there for so many years, instead of how do we live graciously with this, how do we control as much of it as we can, how do we get educated about it. And, you know, I've been in this space now since 2009. And, you know, my whole goal was to try to connect people to services, products, and tools because that was not there for our family at all. And I just thought it was asinine that there was not a well of information that you could go to. And families nowadays, are they're still running into the same thing. They get a diagnosis. They go out to the car. They cry for two hours before they can even drive home because they're devastated. And they haven't, most of them don't even get the number of the Alzheimer's Association. And, and that is just one of millions of different types of services that are out there, but people don't know that we have to correct that. And we have to help people find out about things that they don't know about. So I'm I'm just thrilled to have you on the show today to talk about something new and exciting and fun that can give them control and change their attitude towards disease I mean disease isn't going away we hear that on the news constantly so we have to learn how to adapt to it and uh, you know what we can do with it now you had said it was with the classes that really inspired you was it pretty shocking to you when you learned this information through your continuing ed
1: yes Yes, which is why I created this program. I took a year-long sabbatical to research all these pillars of brain health and what were the things that kept coming up most often in research. And then I developed a 10-week program around that. And I felt like this needs to be shouted from the rooftops. This is something every single person needs to know. And let me just say, this information is just as important for my parents that are in their mid-70s as it is for my children who are teenagers, right? We all need to be working on our brain health, right? Whether we're, we have any concerns or not, we all need to be working on it. And you know, it's interesting, um, there's all these little choices we can make every day. And I think uh, we, we have two ways we can go, right? We can have the, the ripple effect of fear, right? Or we can have the butterfly effect happen. And when we do things, when we're connecting with others or we're serving others or we're practicing gratitude or we're learning new things, right? Those are all things that impact our family, our friends, our community. Or we can get really depressed over a diagnosis we've been given, not engage in community, impact our family you know, in a negative way, because, you know, I'm, I, I am the sandwich generation right now. And I'm, I'm seeing, you know, when, when a, someone is given the diagnosis of dementia, that is, you know, a, a parent, unfortunately it's taking some of our, our sandwich generation out of the workforce, right? So there, there are just so many things we can do. There are so many things we can catch early. They say, you know, the research shows And again, you and I appreciate this because we have a family history. 40% of dementia cases are a result of modifiable risk factors. 40%, 40%. That is a huge statistic. That is someone that has someone in their family that has experienced dementia. I will take that. I will take that all day and I will do everything in my power to help reduce my risk. Because I I see how it it impacts so many people around you and all the things that we know that contribute to good brain health help your family, your community, your loved ones as well. So, you know, I, I tell, you know, whenever I give speaking engagements or I always share with my clients, everyone is a gift. Everyone is a gift. Even if you have the diagnosis of dementia, you can still be an enormous gift to others. Whether it's a compliment, a smile, just being outside in community, waving to someone, right? We can be a gift to others. And I think that we, we all need to hold on to that purpose, that we all, we all have a purpose. There is something that we can all do that can help others. And so by practicing that, we're also, not only is it life-giving for other people, but we're helping ourselves as well.
0: Oh, I totally, totally agree with that uh, concept. I think so often people just, you know, because again, it's been a fear-based marketing thing for years. You get a diagnosis and people picture everyone at end stages, you know, in a wheelchair, um, not able to care for themselves, can't speak, can't do anything. And they still picture nursing homes and communities as these dark, dingy places, that smell like urine and, you know, wheelchairs are bumping into one another. I mean, I, I still hear people, you know, worry about that. And it's like walking a door, you know, <laughs> things have, things have really changed and, you know, listen to people. There are uh, amazing advocates living with dementia that are at conferences and doing all kinds of different um platforms to get their voice out there and let us know what it's really like, because that is something that wasn't even part of the conversation before the, the patient wasn't part of the conversation, the caregiver might be heard, but not really listened to. And, you know, the concept you're talking about is inclusive of everyone saying we all have this ripple effect, we all impact one another, and you can't just push a sector out of the way and think that it's not going to have an effect on on everybody. It does. And, um, and I think that piece about gratitude is is really important, because I'm a firm believer that you will find what you're looking for. So if you want the doom and gloom and fear, it's going to be all over for you to grab and latch a hold of. But if you want to find joy, there's just as much if not more of that out there. But if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it.
1: That is so true. And you know, you cannot experience gratitude and fear at the same time. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's not possible. So when we are practicing gratitude, right? And what's a great way to do that when we're serving other people, right? When we are practicing gratitude, we are not able to experience fear at the same time. So I'd love to tell a story about one of my recent clients had recently um, been given the diagnosis of dementia, car keys taken away she's sleeping 12 hours a night because she's you know depressed um and she started working with me and we talked about sleeping you know a little bit less you know having structure and routine to her day so all of a sudden she's up a little bit earlier she's walking around the neighborhood she's saying hi to her neighbors right having conversations with all of them um, she was not. She had been going to church, had stopped during the pandemic. So I encouraged her to go back. All of a sudden she realized, oh, my goodness, I saw this person. I said hello to that person. And it was, you know, she saw all of a sudden all these opportunities of ways that she could serve. Um, and, and to me, that was the most exciting thing was this light bulb go off. And for her to realize my life is not over. There are still a lot of things that I can do. And so she decided one of the things she would like to do was reach out. She had several friends that were recent widows. So she was going to call them on the phone and just tell them, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. And I, I wish you could hear the joy in her. This is someone that was sleeping 12 hours, feeling very depressed. And then we had this shift that we were connecting with others and able, we have stories, right? If we're not experiencing life, we don't have any stories to share. Right. Just being out in community, you can come home and, you know, potentially, you know, if you have good language skills, talk about what you saw. Right. And, And communicate. I think that's a great way to look at this is what stories do you have to share? What life are you experiencing that you can share that with other people? And again, looking for ways that you can give back. If you're not out and connecting with others, you're not seeking or finding ways that you can help others. And it can be a, you know, a lot of times people think, okay, what are the big things? It doesn't need to be a big thing, right? It can be a kind text with this woman. Was just reaching out to friends and having a conversation and telling her sweet friends that she was thinking about them. And as a result of doing that, it put her life in perspective because she was still married. You know, she felt so grateful, like here I am, I'm married. I have You know, all of a sudden her diagnosis was not her focus because her focus was on other people.
0: Well, I think that's really true. And I think that can work with the individual. It can work within families. I remember when my Dad died and I was together with my brothers and I was saying, you know, I think I might write a book. And I was sharing some of the stories about caring for him and mom. And I remember my older brother saying, Well, where'd you get the stories? And I remember my my mouth must have just like hit the floor, like, well, I was there. And then it and I just thought, oh my gosh, they weren't there. They don't have any of these stories. And they were really kind of jealous. That's how I felt anyways in that moment that they didn't have those stories. And it's like, you can't, you know, you have to create the stories. You have to be part of the story. And and that was just such a, that just hit me so hard. Um, and it made me put them in a different light in terms of trying to get them to be like me and get, you know, have them have them care. Because that was, that's one of the things I always hear with siblings, you know, they always want their, their family members to step up, but everybody does stuff differently. And, you know, so often a person who's diagnosed becomes the disease, we allow that to happen to them and that should never happen. You know, we don't see that with, with other diseases where people feel it to that effect or for that long of period of time. But I think it is normal when you get a chronic illness, you know, to feel some depression, to feel some sadness, to feel some anger. I think those are normal emotions, but Mm. it's getting out of those cycles and then reclaiming who you are as a whole person.
1: Well Lori, I absolutely loved I was listening to your podcast last week and you had a story that I would love to to repeat and it was this that your mother, you know, that had been diagnosed with dementia really wanted to watch your daughter, right? She, she really, really, really wanted to have this experience where she was, she was babysitting, you know, your daughter and that she felt that she was helping out in caregiving. And you said it took a little extra work, you know, you had to kind of prepare, you know, the food ahead of time, but you you said it was such a beautiful moment, to watch her feel like she had this purpose, right, that she was able to do this nice thing, experience this sweet moment um, with your daughter. And I think just that was such a beautiful example of, you know, what are ways we can, if we are caregivers and if the if we are, you know, living with the person with dementia, what are ways that we can serve together, you know, and to think about some simple things for, you know, I'll give you one example. Our, our church, you know, for our middle school and high school youth, they create what they call mana bags. It's just little Ziploc bags. And they put, you know, a bottled water and a granola bar, a brand new pair of socks, and they distribute it out in the community for those um, in our unhoused community. You know, so something simple like that is something that someone that has been diagnosed with dementia could absolutely do, even if they're at the later stages, just putting something in a bag and telling them, oh, this is going to be so great. This person's going to be so grateful that you've given them, given them food and water, a clean pair of socks. I mean, the, I, I think that is a great activities to think about what can we do, you know, wherever we are. And yet again, we all have different limitations, you know, but, but what are ways that together we, we could help others?
0: Oh, I, I so agree. And I want to bring up one point when you mentioned the story about my mom I want people to understand that was not a staged event to make her feel good. That was a real event that made her feel really, really good and proud, but it was a very much uh, a viable, important piece of our lives because my mom and my daughter were close all their lives and my daughter only knew my mother with dementia but they, they were like this, they were just two peas in a pod and they had a wonderful relationship. And she taught my daughter compassion and love through that process of being connected. She taught her acceptance, you know, and kids, um, kids don't judge like adults judge, you know? And so it was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful match. And I, and on the, the bags and stuff you're talking about, I think there's so much we can do intergenerational and just across the board if we stop categorizing people as not abled and saying you know match their abilities and Mm -hmm. even if they can't do a whole bag maybe they can do part of a bag maybe they can get everything in there but they can't do the damn ziplock like i can't do sometimes either (laughs) and and that might not have anything to do with dementia it might have to do with arthritis you know (laughs) And, and and things. So, I mean, it's just really important that we look from a higher level down to say, how are we all connected and how can we serve?
1: Again, we can talk about the butterfly effect of good, right? Yeah. You're thinking of just your mother, but it impacted your daughter because she felt loved. It made you feel good. Again, that, it, that didn't just impact one person, that impacted three people and exactly. what, many more through your story, right? So again, When we do these good behaviors, when we make these wise choices, when we do these positive actions, the butterfly effect is amazing. It can impact so many people.
0: Well, (laughs) I want to take a little break here um, right now. And just in case people are popping in midstream on the show, we are talking with Heather Elwell, and she is with Brain Health Mentors. And we're just having a fabulous conversation. So, Chances are, if you just popped in, you're going to want to rewind and, and catch it from the beginning. You can also visit her website, brainhealthmentors.com, and you can sign up for their free February Brain Health Challenge, too. And we have that link in the show notes. Um, she is also on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. But we are going to learn a little bit about Q-Blocks, and then we're going to be right back. Q-Blocks, they have been absolutely Excellent to deal with. They have been in business for 18 years and they serve the globe. I can't say enough good things about this company. I've had a lot of bad experiences, I don't know about you with tech companies. They have made a very complicated process very easy and their staff is so kind, so polite, so respectful to work with and You know, when I am frustrated and ready to pull my hair out, they just smile and tell me everything's going to be okay. And they really are just on top of the communication, which alleviates so much stress as an owner when you're dealing with tech issues. You can get a 10% discount. Visit them at QBlocks at C U E. Blocks dot com, or you can email them at let's talk at qblocks.com. dot com for that ten percent discount. Just put Lori L O R I in the inquiry form, and again, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I surely haven't been. I I can't rave enough about this company, and that's kind of rare these days. Well, we are back with Heather and we are going to talk about her brain health mentoring program. So, Heather, why don't you tell us a little bit about the program itself and what people can expect?
1: Absolutely. So, again, um, the, the inspiration behind the creation was what are the top pillars of brain health that I could help implement in someone's life? Because, again, a lot of us know things that we should be doing. But it's really hard to do it all on our own, right? It's nice when we have a coach slash cheerleader that is encouraging us and motivating us um, to implement some of these strategies. So what I created was a 10-week program. And I can uh, have a couple examples here. Those of you that are watching the video, here are some of my materials right here. Very fun. That's the one for women. This is the one um, I created for men. So, um you get a fun workbook. It's it's almost like a magazine where it has you know and put together in a beautifully curated um, way. You know, here is the research behind brain health. Here are some questions and prompts, and how could we implement this into your life? So um, the interesting thing is when I created this program, I thought for sure that my average client would be, you know, um, someone that was retired, right? Um, Someone that has already, you know, through their working years and uh, potentially is concerned about memory problems. And surprisingly, the majority of my clients are in their 40s and 50s with no memory problems at all. And the reason for that is they're they're hearing the stats and where we're trending. Maybe they've seen um, dementia with a parent or a loved one, and they say, I, I wanna know right now. Please tell me now <laughs> what I can be doing um, in, in these you know, working years um, that will help improve my brain health trajectory. And we know there are so many risk factors that if we can catch them early. Can impact our older adult years. You know, there was just some studies that came out recently. That hearing loss in middle age is one of the biggest predictors for dementia later on in life, right? So catching these things early, and you know, when I work with my clients, you know, we we do a health and wellness assessment. It's just a great way for me to look at, you know, again, how are how are we connecting with others? How are we sleeping? How are we handling stress in our lives? Do we have any health risk factors? And then I develop a program um, that we kind of target these things over these ten weeks with them. But I've been able able to catch a lot of things with my clients. Again, decades before, because we know brain changes that lead to dementia can occur 20 to 30 years prior. So we want to catch these things. Um, you know, another thing is, you know, um, executive functioning difficulties, right? Executive functioning difficulties. Um, I have a daughter with ADHD, so I can, I can speak to this. These are things that she has difficulty with, which are task initiation, sustained attention to task, task completion, right? Uh, My daughter, you know, she's in high school now. She's a senior. She's worked through that. She's strengthened those skills. She's doing better. But as we are getting older, sometimes those executive functioning skills are one of the things that deteriorate, okay? And I don't know how much on, on your program in the past you've talked about mild cognitive impairment, but mild cognitive impairment is the precursor to dementia, right? That's the diagnosis we can get prior to dementia. Not everyone that has mild cognitive impairment converts to dementia. But if we have difficulty with those executive functioning skills, That is a higher conversion to dementia. So that's one of the things that I target in my program is strengthening, you know, looking to see if we have difficulties in those those areas and if so strengthening those skills. For those of you that might be concerned about a loved one, what that looks like is things accumulating in their house, right? Maybe we have stacks of things. Um, That in the past, maybe your parent was better about cleaning out things, taking it to goodwill, you know, that kind of thing. What that looks like if we're looking in a home is clutter, right? Things are, we're having trouble deciding what to do with certain things, right? And that again, that's just one area. But I think that's another reason why I'm having more people in their 40s and 50s coming to me because they have stronger executive functioning skills, right? So they say, I see this could be a potential problem down the road. I want to act on it right now. I want to act on this right now and I want to help myself long-term. So that's just something to be aware of if you notice that Um, in yourself, that is a risk factor. We want to make sure that, you know, we are not apathetic, you know, if, if we if we think, you know what? I, it'd be great to attend this community organization or it would be great to connect with these other people that we are following through. If we notice we are not initiating, Right. And engaging. Again, that's kind of a a, a red flag. We want we want to make sure, again, like I said, throughout life that we are connecting with others. And so that's again where my program comes in because a lot of times I I, I love my program, especially for people that are going through transitions. Again, people at my age that might have a child that is a senior going off to school. You think about how much our kids consume our time, right? It's so consuming and it's wonderful, right? But I'm going to have a big shift next year. Someone that is, you know, finishing up their working years, about to head into retirement, that's a big shift. So before, you know, these big shifts occur, it's really important that we're looking to the future and saying, what, what does my next chapter look like? Right. What what group that I'm not a part of right now, because I'm very busy with my my senior, what group do I want to be part of next year? That, again, can be a friend funnel that allows me to connect with others that, again, when I connect with others and I'm part of these, you know, um, programs or community events um, that, again, I have stories to share. Right. So I think that's a way to just continue thinking about it throughout our life is if you were to get together with a family member this week or call a loved one on the phone, what story do you have to share? What new thing did you do this week? What's a new conversation, new neighbor that you met, new exhibit you saw at a museum? What are new things? What stories do you have to share? And if you don't have any to share, right? Then that's something we need to look into. What, what? Just even a simple walk around the neighborhood, right? There's so much we can see and experience that we can come home and share with a a loved one.
0: Interesting. You know, there was a a group over in the UK, and I can't remember which one, but one of the things they did in their communities was they had their staff befriend um, residents, and Mm -hmm. they would have to spend time with them. And I'll never forget, one woman said, you know, she, she looked forward to these gatherings and she thought it was for her to engage the resident in memory care. And she said, but what she learned was that she had to come up with conversational things that she did. And she said it really had a huge impact on her life and how she lived it in, and, um, she didn't think initially that was the intent of this program at all, but it was really to be not a one-sided conversation, you know, to really be interactive. And, um, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting what she got out of what she got out of it. Again, I think we are all more alike than we are different Mm -hmm. when it comes to these basic things. And yet when a disease hits, we tend to think, no, they're different. No, they're still the same. They, they just have to adapt to this. And we have to adapt to this. We have to adjust on how are we still going to make our relationship work. And I thought I think we've been kind of pressure campaigned over the years and it's gotten better. But it's still out there to think that the relationship won't survive and it can't exist. And that is so far from the truth. And and that needs to be screamed from the mountaintops as far as I'm concerned. So I really, I like your approach with this. To speak to,
1: you know, the story we shared earlier about your mother and your daughter, what experiences can we have together, yeah. right? If we are just sitting at home chances are, that's not going to be this beautiful experience. (laughs) But if we, you know, maybe bake chocolate chip cookies, or, you know, again, we just take a little stroll around the neighborhood, or, you know, there are all these in, I live in the Tampa Bay area, and I've noticed there are a lot of museums in our our area that have certain times where you can bring a loved one with dementia. You know, and a lot of times it's free, right? So, and that's what I love to, to talk about a lot too, is like, what free things can you do in your community, right? That are great for both of your brain health, right? So I think that is, you know, we want, it's wonderful when we can experience something together. So, you know, my, when my Nana was late stage dementia and, um, you know, unfortunately, the, the conversation couldn't happen anymore. I thought this was so clever. My uncle said, I still wanted to be able to talk to her, but I didn't want it to be this one-sided thing. So he came up with the idea to read to her and she loved it. So he got gone with the, she always loved Gone with the Wind. So he got Gone with the Wind and he read it to her. And I just, so I think that's what we need to think. What what can we experience together? And we both leave feeling so much, you know, more joy
0: in that moment. Oh, exactly. And there's lots of great books that you can do that with. I don't know if you're familiar with Nana's books, but they are larger print. um, Mm -hmm. And they are like eight and a half by 11. There's a picture, graphic on one side, few words on the other. So if someone's still able to read, they can read. And when they turn the page, it's it's a whole new theme. So they don't have to stay engaged in a whole story. And if they can't read, you know, somebody could read to them or you can just use the picture as reminiscing. So, you know, it's a multi-purpose way to engage. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, there's not a right way or a wrong way, you know, with this. Let's talk a little bit about people who have gone through the program. What kind of results are they seeing? And to me, more important feelings.
1: Oh, I love that. Well, it's really cute. All my clients tell me they they hear me in their ear. (laughs) After we complete your program, we still hear you talking to us. So, you know, again... I go back to the butterfly effect of good. You know, my, my clients a lot of times, you know, are are at a stage where maybe they aren't engaging as, as much in the community as they, you know, had in the past. And again, this is all ages, right? We're talking 40-year-olds through 80-year-olds. So that is what is so neat. Again, is looking for those friend funnels or those community organizations and what i lo- and i just want to also encourage we we talked a lot today about serving others okay and i i th- so far this has happened with every single one of my clients so i just want to put this i just want to state this a lot of times when we have this idea and we want to do good it doesn't happen right away Unless we're, we're taking chocolate chip cookies to the neighbor, right? That that we can do right now. But if a lot of times if we want to serve at our church or if we want to serve at a local school or, you know, any of these things, a lot of times you're not getting a call right back. And what I've seen a lot of my clients is this, okay, I tried, you know, I tried it, they didn't get back to me. And again, that's where I come in as the cheerleader. Well, let's try again. If we if we called, let's email. If we've emailed, let's go. So I feel like I've watched my clients go through that hump of I'd like to serve. I think it'd be neat to serve, but I haven't gotten someone saying yes, join right now. And so watching watching them go through that, and then finally plug in, and the joy that it brings them, whether, you know, one of my clients, it was beach cleanups and and being able to connect with these other people at a beach cleanup, right. Um, For another one, it was serving at a local school. Um, You know, it's been so many different. So again, to watch with one person, the butterfly effect of it impacting so many other people to me has been the most gratifying thing Um, to watch the new friendships develop because that, because again, here is the blessing. It, it was awful what happened to my Nana. And I, I, I wouldn't want someone else to go through that. But I'm the person that I wish my Nana would have had with the information I have now. So again, it's unfortunately, it is too late for my sweet, incredible, amazing Nana. But what I think is I can help other people. I can share with other people what I've learned. And I think, you know, if my Nana was a client right now, let me tell you what I would have shared with her. I would have said, please go back to your church. I know you loved it. Go, go back. Go back, you know, chat with people. Maybe, maybe join a Bible study. She loved a garden. Please join a gardening club, right, where you can serve in the community. You can help beautify your community as well as meeting other people. She exercised every day, so she was very fit. But I would have encouraged her, why don't instead of you, you know, being on the treadmill at home, why don't you walk in your neighborhood? say hi to your neighbors, get to know all of them. What new things could you learn, right? There's all these wonderful college classes we can take. I was telling my parents, um, they're in their mid seventies and I'm about to pay for college next year with my daughter. So I, this is like really resonating with, with me, um, the cost of college. Well, a lot of times these local universities, if you're retired, you can take classes for free. So why don't you go take a class and, and learn about art history or whatever you're interested in, right? Helping to build that cognitive reserve, right? Building that cognitive reserve, again, helps reduce our risk of dementia. And again, think of the stories you could share because of this new information you're learning. Looking in the paper or online, you know, what are, what's a new coffee shop you could go to? Uh, my Nana had a beautiful home. And so again, we didn't know this back then, but she always said to us, well, my house is my job. That's what keeps me busy all day. And you know what? It did. And her house was beautiful. It was absolutely beautiful. The gardens were, I wish I could, I wish I had pictures to show you. Her gardens were absolutely incredible and beautiful. But I think to myself now, but who saw them, right? No one saw these beautiful gardens. No one saw her beautiful house that she took such good care of. Instead, I would have encouraged her to connect with others, right? To be in community, have other people come to our house. I mean, there's just so, I I feel like it was such, I just feel like we are in a very exciting time that we have this information now. And sadly, again, I'm going to say it again, sadly, we did not have this information when my Nana was going through this. We thought, this is great. She's going to be very busy taking care of her house. And she was. But as you said earlier in the program, connection is key. And we know that people that experience loneliness are 64% more likely to develop dementia. And again, so my Nana that had a great medical history, no family history of dementia, very healthy. I truly believe with her, it was the loneliness and it was the grief and it was the lack of connection and conversations with others that greatly contributed her you know to her being diagnosed with dementia. Hi everyone, if you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
0: Oh, I I totally would would agree with that. Now, tell us a little bit more about your brain health challenge coming up in February.
1: And it's so fun. So, you know, I just think there are so many life-giving strategies that we can do every day that, again, make us have a more beautiful and abundant life are free to do, right? Um, and it's just little tips every day. So if you sign up for the Brain Health Challenge, it'll just be one little tip a day, that it be something fun for you to do. And again, it would be wonderful if this tip that you incorporated it into your daily life, right? If you could make it a habit. Again, it's hard to do it all on our own, um, but I thought this challenge would be fun that each day you can do one little fun thing um, that will, again, it will contribute to your brain health being better, but also contribute to you having a more joyful and abundant life.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Will they receive that by email then if they yes. need to go to the website to sign up for that? And- Correct. Yes. You just go to brain health mentors and you click brain health
1: tips. Or if you just subscribe um, to brain health mentors, you will be part of the challenge. And again, it'll just be one um, email a day with it'll have a, a tip um, as well as why it's, it's why it's important. Because, again, there's so many things that we know now can contribute to dementia or again, make the, you know, pro- the projection of it so much worse, or, you know, we can implement some of these strategies and and help delay, prevent
0: um, us getting dementia. Okay. And then if they want to sign up for your mentorship program, how do they do that?
1: There, if you go to my website, there's a little sign up um, right there where you can schedule an appointment with me. And I'm happy to, you know, go into to more detail about the program. It's usually, so it's a 10-week program. I work with people 30 minutes each week. Um, you'll you'll get um, virtually um, the workbook that I showed you, as well as just things to think about. I have these daily observations that I have my clients. They just look at it every day. And again, that's where I get in their head <laughs> that they know, you know. Have I connected with others today? Have I exercised or gone for a walk today? How did I sleep last night? You know, and nutrition—we know nutrition's a huge factor. You know, just asking questions: How do you feel? Right? If you've had sugar, how do you feel about that? How do you feel the next day? Because honestly, I've done the program myself, and and I know now if I if I'm having a a bad brain health day the next day, I know why. You know, if if you know when I. I share this a lot when I when I give talks. Um, I I, I can have one glass of alcohol. If I and again, I, I drink very rarely. I'm a social drinker only. Um, but let's say I, I go out with friends, and if I have a second glass of wine, I know I'm gonna have word finding difficulties the next day. Guarantee I'm gonna have some brain fog, right? So it's just I don't know that I would have known that had I not been paying attention to those behaviors. So I think a lot of times it's, you know, n- Paying attention to how we feel (laughs) after we've exercised. If we're not having a lot of sugar, you know, how how are we feeling the next day? Are we feeling sharper? If we're feeling groggier, well, what do we do the day before that we can look to? And that, you know, everybody's different. Everyone is different. I'll tell you, you know, my kids have been off school for two weeks and I was off for part of that time with them. I was not as sharp. Last week, because I didn't have my same schedule, I didn't have my same routine, right? But now I'm aware of that. So I think so much of this is being aware, right? Having schedule and purpose to our day and and conversations and community involvement, you will notice a difference. If you aren't experiencing those things now, you will notice a difference if you start to do those things.
0: And I think it's important, you know, kind of to journal those things too, mm-hmm. Now, do you have uh, like a, a gratitude journal? I
1: sure book? do. I sure do. That's one of my pillars of brain health is gratitude because um, the research shows, and again, I, I see this with um, my Nana. You know, I want to encourage anyone that has, has gone through the loss of a spouse or, or life turning out differently, you know, than the way we thought. Um, I think seeing a grief counselor is, is amazing. I think seeing a psychologist is super, so so important if you're experiencing some of those difficulties. I know I've, I've seen a psychologist myself um, when we were going through the pandemic. Again, I had two teenagers at home. That was a really, really tough time in our household. And again, I'm the caregiver. I'm taking care of, of my two kids. And I can honestly tell you, um, had I not seen a psychologist during that time, um, I don't think my kids would be doing as well as they are. Like I, I needed it as the caregiver for my children. Right. So I think seeking those services is really important because again, if we look at the research, one of the things that keeps coming up is repetitive, negative thinking. That's when we're stuck in this negative thought or idea. It can be fear. It can be, you know, bad relationships that we've experienced in our life. But when we just keep, you know, getting in that cycle of, of having these negative thoughts, that can be a fast pass to dementia. So that's why, again, gratitude is so important because when we are experiencing gratitude, we cannot experience fear at the same time. And I'll be honest with you, for me, I had a lot of fear during the time of the pandemic with my my kids um, and my family. And for me, it was taking a walk. One of my, I always encourage my clients to have gratitude triggers, to identify in your life. Gratitude triggers, right? And if I just go around the corner from my house, there's this gorgeous oak tree. Well, that's when my gratitude triggers. So every time I would, you know, start feeling a little, you know, depressed or negative, I, I'd walk outside, I'd turn the corner, and there'd be this beautiful oak tree. You know, these things in our life that make us just pause and take a deep breath and experience gratitude, right? I think that's really important to identify that in our life. So when we are having these negative feelings, we can experience that. When we can look back at old notes that we've been given, you know, I I don't know about you, but I hold on to my thank you notes. Whenever I receive a thank you note from a beloved family member or, you know, anyone in Clients, you know, I, I hold on to those. And that's another way to break that cycle of negative thinking. When someone has, you know, given gratitude to us and something we've done, that's another great way to stop that
0: cycle of negative thinking. Good thoughts. Now, people can again go to your website, which is brainhealthmentors.com, mm-hmm. and they can sign up for your brain health challenge, which will send you out tips in February every day very they fun. Also, <laughs> they they can also um sign up for your mentorship program as well. They can find you on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn and you can feel your passion for this which is always fun uh to be able to work with someone who just it doesn't isn't just stepping you through a b c d but really believes in what they're doing and why they're doing it even more importantly. So You know i ask our our um, audience to be a giver of hope like click and share this program pass it along you don't know who in your sphere of influence might need to hear this they might need to be lifted up and given hope and you can do that it takes a little time costs you no money um, but can have a powerful powerful impact and maybe for yourself or someone in your family don't keep nuggets to yourself. I think that's one of the worst things we can do is we hear something and then we don't share it with others. And, you know, to me, that's kind of one of your, one of your pieces that you're teaching is engage and share, you know, don't keep it to yourself, be grateful and let others know um, that they're not alone and that there are um, resources out there that can help them. So again, Heather, thank you so much for your time and your expertise and stepping out and being brave and sharing your own personal story through this, but how you transform something that, you know, none of us would wish upon anyone else getting dementia, but you, have you know, you flipped it like a pancake and, you know, you're serving up something that's great to be able to help people in the future. And for that, it's just an honor to have you on the show. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor for me as well.
0: Wonderful. And for our listeners, again, you check out AlzheimerSpeaks.com. We have all kinds of free educational resources there for you. And also uh, don't forget about Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory as well. And if you have a service product tool, Um, maybe you are living with dementia or a family member that doesn't think you're a business, um, but you have a Facebook uh, group or you've written a book or you have a YouTube channel or a blog, you too can share your information. So don't for a second think you're not important. You are. All of us can turn this ship and and make this path, you know, that we're walking a gracious one uh, when we work together. So thank you all so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye now.